You're listening to the Esports Business Network Podcast. Today's guest, Jeff Stansfield, founder and ringmaster at Esports Circus. For the last 20 years, he's been building TV stations, post facilities, production workflows, and gaming facilities all over the world. Enjoy the show. Network podcast. My name is Cameron Shelby, aka Aristotle, and I am here with the co-host Trent Knox. How you doing, man? What's up? How's everybody doing? And we're also here with a guest co-host. Her name is Brittany. How you doing, Brittany? Good. How are you guys? Uh, potentially going to be bringing Brittany on to do some help on the podcast as well. And uh, obviously, we have to talk about our guest today. We have Mr. Jeff Stasfield. St- is that how you pronounce it? Stasfield. Stansfield. Stansfield. Ah, uh, the little name down here on the uh, squadcast got me all thrown off. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm fabulous, man. We're doing really good. Yeah? Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. Can you tell us about what you do? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm the CEO and ringmaster of the Esports Circus, which is a collegiate esports event company. We, we host large esports events at colleges. We go out to colleges and host live events. We also help schools build their teams. So schools that are looking to build their teams or clubs that are looking to uh, get the schools to build teams for them, we work with them to help them with the whole infrastructure, how to do it, not only, not, not only how to build the technology of it, but also how to get the schools funded, uh, develop programs so that the students can, can turn into a winning proposition and do the whole thing from training coaches to learning about how to monetize to marketing to branding to getting sponsorships, the whole thing. And we do our technology uh, whole work through where we help develop really good technologies. And we go beyond what the normal uh, kind of land center uh, design that esports centers have today where it's just a bunch of computers sitting on a desk. We go beyond that and really uh, uh, apply our knowledge of years and years and years in the broadcasting and IT business to developing little platforms that that help people out immensely and how to in, in developing new ways of doing things that are much more cost effective and much more security per, per, uh, security preventive so that computers don't get damaged right. and all that stuff. So we do that and then we host our large events. We actually hosted one big event in January, huge event, and then we were you know we were at the DreamHack conference broadcasting live and then we had a whole broadcasting center there and we were working with those guys and then we had a bunch of events scheduled this year and something happened that can't cancel i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> something about uh, uh, uh cold. yeah i don't know <laughs> it got really cold out something yeah. i don't know uh so awesome so we're gonna halt there uh, i just wanted to give everyone a brief synopsis of what it was that you did and we're gonna halt there and we're gonna go back to the beginning what got you into this business? What, what? Let's hear about you specifically now. Well, I've been a broadcast engineer for over 30 years. I've built, uh, I have a company called Advantage Video Systems that's built over 250 TV stations all over the country and other countries as well. 
Uh, and uh, we've built hundreds of post facilities, production companies, and we were de- we were designing a big esports facility. We were putting a bunch of uh, switchers, switch switches, and routers, and broadcast equipment into a big esports center. And we, I like, I like, just it just hit me, and I says, I got to get into this business because I love to play games. I mean, I go back from D and D to Magic: The Gathering to Doom. I, I mean, I go. I'm an old school gamer, and I love gaming. And I said, I got to get into this business. And I started getting into it. I looked around, and I, I, I didn't like the pro industry because it was just too, too glutted with people. And it was if you didn't have enough, a lot of money, it really wasn't a place to play. Um, and so I decided to get into the esports business. But I go back. I mean, I, I'm part of the Society of Motion Picture Intelligence Engineers. We we format all the standards for the entertainment industry. So we we decide like what is 4K, what is UHD, what is 8K, what is archive asset management. Um, I I help advise on a lot of boards that do things like artificial, like what is the ethical responsibilities for artificial intelligence and all these different parameters. So I go back and I'm part of this whole broadcasting industry, uh, the Hollywood Professional Alliance and the uh, the Society of uh, um, the uh, Cinema Grad Society, uh, Local 600, IATSE, uh, Set Directors Union. You know, I've been a part of all these different aspects in the media entertainment industry for, you know, many, many years. And, you know, as you can see by my, by my atmosphere, I'm a showman. And I just wanted to be part of this esports industry. And, and we were actually working with one of our clients, an education client, um, and they stressed how, how difficult it was for them you know, in trying to get funding and trying to pay for this whole thing and trying to build the esports team. Right. And so that's what we decided to do was I said, I can do this. I can help yeah. you guys. So Jeff, I have a question. Um, you know, what made you, uh, you know, how do you actually help them make money? How does that work? So mm. a lot of these, a lot of schools, they're really set up as te- these people who run it, the coaches and the administrators, they're set up as teachers and, mm-hmm. and educators. So they're not really set up as marketing people. They don't know how to, 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 to go to brands and, and get brands to pay, you know, pay them money to be a sponsor. They don't know how to, they don't know how to get out there and broadcast and build a, and write a broadcasting contract. You know, we've been designing uh, reality shows and TV shows. So we know the entertainment business. We know how to build contracts. One of my partners is named Don Montoya. He's uh, an angel investor. He's brought companies to IPO. He knows marketing backwards and forwards. So we work with these people. And a lot of times, you know, these schools just don't know where to start. They don't know how to build this. And they, and they look at it and say, oh, my God, it's going to cost me $60,000, dollars $300,000 to build out an eSports plan. How is it going to make me money? You know, how is it going to pay for itself? And so we, we show them. In a, uh, we have a, I have a 10-step plan that, that's, that we've marked and we've done time and time again that shows people how to go from nothing to a productive team that can get out there and play. And, you know, that's, so that's all about what we do. And also, we, when we bring them into our events, we work, our whole events are designed to make sure we give back to the students into the schools into the thing because when we have a vet, we have two ways that schools participate. Uh, the first way is that they participate as, as a hosting school. So a school can come to us and say, Jeff, we want to host you. 
And I say, okay, give us five things. Give us internet, give us power, give us some bathrooms, give us a place to play, and provide security. Now, these are all things that they have on campus anyways. They just have to work out the logistics. And for that, they get 5% of everything we make on the event. So they get ticket sales, marketing sales, sales of the mar selling tchotchkes, whatever we make, they get 5% off the top. So that's the first way. Now, the participating schools and the, and the hosting schools and the other part is the participating schools. So a school comes and says, I want to compete with this school. And they come in and they can do a challenge. Now, they, both schools can make additional money by getting discounts on tickets. So they can sell tickets to the event and they get a 25% discount on the tickets so they can make a 25% revenue on selling tickets to alumni, other people on campus, to their friends, neighbors, families, anybody who they can think of. And then we also give, the, we do a 50-50 red share on any local sponsorships they get. So if they go out to the local Subway Sandwich or the local Starbucks and they get them to pony up two grand to become a sponsor of the event, we give them $1,000 boom bang. And so that helps them, you know, make money to help their team, help, help build, maybe buy a couple of mouse pads. And then there's prizes at the events too. So they come and they win prizes scholarships, we get we give scholarships, we get prizes. And almost everybody walks away with something, you know, for participating and all that. And then and then it's a lot of fun. And you know, one of the reasons that we did this whole thing was because most of these kids are playing in these small little centers with like mm -hmm. you know, three or four guys, maybe six guys, seven guys, most twelve guys sitting in a room playing. But you know, the problem with that is they don't get seen by anybody. So if you wanna if you wanna play for, you know, uh, you know, Cloud Nine or 100 Thieves or whatever, you know, you have to, they have to see you play. They can't just see you on a screen platform. They have to see you play. And they can't really see you play because they're not going to go out to a tiny little lab center and watch somebody play in a game because right. that doesn't really, I mean, you know, I, I can take back to years ago when there was a player named Moon who's a World of Warcraft player. And the first time he mm -hmm. appeared on stage, you know, he got on stage and looked at, there's 10,000 people there, there's all these lights, oh, man. and he, like, froze. He could not move. They had to drag his chair off the table. Now he's a phenomenal player. I mean, but, but back then, he was a, a skinny little Korean kid, you know, who was playing in a land center, you know, and, and, and you know, mostly had his 50, 100 people watching him. Mm -hmm. So it was a totally different dynamic. And so we want to bring them out bring them on stage, get them into a, an, a, an, a place, also a place where it's inclusionary so that they don't, you know, because when you're sitting in a dormitory, you know, some of the things that comes out of these kids' mouths may not be, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Understood. I, I mean, you know, the only people who can really get away with that is, you know, uh, Donald Trump or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we want to bring them on a stage, get them seen, put them in an inclusionary environment where they can all have fun and enjoy and, and win prizes and make money and we can all be happy you know so very very cool man i love i love that i love what you're doing um i i was in college only for a, a brief period of time just for a year and um looking back i really wish that there was more activity in this particular subject um i, I want to go back to the the original title of of the company yeah 
the esports circus and you're the you're the ringmaster right i'm the ringmaster <laughs> for those i mean because well, this is an audio podcast we don't have like a actual video so i want to break down what we're seeing right now this guy is obviously a showman he showed up and he had a, a regular what would you call that hat just a regular top hat no no it was a fedora <laughs> okay so yeah he had a fedora on a solid red fedora on he's like oh hold on let me get a better hat he comes back with a top hat <laughs> It looks looks identical, but just bigger. So uh, this guy is definitely a showman. And in the background right now, what what would you describe this as, Jeff, in the background? Well, so we got our backdrop circus tent back there. It says The Freak Show with Ringmaster Jeffrey, with my name spelled incorrectly because I misspelled my name. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, and then we got our little our little small banners. We have the, the amazing esports, and then we have our. Uh, uh, robotic wars because we're you know one of the things that we're going to do is do uh, robotic wars. I tend to I tend to love when robots kill robots. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, well, the, 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 there's just, you know I, I I don't like it when robots kill robots because I saw the movie and it didn't turn out very well for us. <laughs> I don't like it when people kill people because it doesn't turn out for us. It's not for good people anyways. Right. Robots kill robots. No human dies. Not so I you know. You know, I, I tend to think that robotic wars are the way of the future. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was at CES early this year, and I saw all these robots that were cu- cute and cuddly. One brought you toilet paper, you know? <laughs> you know? Could have used that whenever the, the cold came around, right? Yeah, but I, I, want, I want robots to kill robots. I want them to come out with saws and axes and flamethrowers. And I want to, I want, yeah. you know, I, I love that. And so we want to bring that back. And so we're going to do robot wars. And then we have the virtual reality carnival. Ooh. And um, so we're going to, you know, you know, because we're because every circus has a carnival. So we're going to have the virtual reality carnival, have virtual reality rides. We have about, you know, about 15 or 20 uh, virtual reality experiences that we have in the can. And we showed some of them at our at, our, at the at our big show in January. And it was really incredible. We had uh, two VR walk up consoles where you could walk up and play VR games. And each of the consoles had four games on it. And we had ran tournaments. And it was really great. And then down below, we have the inclusionary circus because we want inclusion is a very important part of what we do. We want to make sure that everybody, no matter what you are, what you believe, what you like to kiss, it doesn't matter to me. I want to all be included in these sports, <laughs> you know. Aww. Yeah. And so we have the inclusionary circus, and that's kind of like my backdrop. We have it built like a circus, a little yeah, tent here, you know. Very creative, very creative and innovative, I should say. Uh, what what made you put two and two together? I mean, that's just such a creative thing to do. Well, I've, I've always loved the circus. In fact, when I was a little kid, I summered at the Ringham Barnbelly's Clown School, and uh, studied, uh, and I loved being a clown. And I've always been what? always been that. It's been you know always loved to jump around and dress up in costumes. I have 20, 30 costumes here at my house. <laughs> Wow. Did you go to like a professional? Wow. Did you go to a professional school? Did you say for that? Yeah. Well, I went in summer. I did a summer at the Ringland Barnabelli's Clown School in Florida. And I did that for one summer uh, and learned how to to be a clown. And I wasn't very good at the juggling and stuff like that, but I was very good at being being a clown and and doing things. I, I, I concentrated on some magic. But I was mostly just a uh, a flap, uh, uh, you know, a flapstick uh, comic, uh, 
clown. I got hit and pies and all kinds of stuff all the time. I love that. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I have a question. This is kind of off topic, yeah. but have you ever met Steve-O then? <laughs> I think I, Steve-O, I, I, I don't think so. Ah, well, no. there's, you know, you'll have an opportunity. <laughs> uh, maybe I met him. I, I, maybe I'm thinking the wrong guy. Maybe I could. I mean, I've met so many people. I've met a lot of clowns, met a lot of entertainers. I've met a lot of esports, esports, um, and, uh, and streamers. Uh, so I've, I've met a lot of people. I, I may have met them. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Awesome. Let's get back to the esports uh, topic now. Um, yeah. So let's see. Let's see. What do you think about the impact of financial literacy for esports players of of your company? What is that? Is is it impacting? Do you think or do? You... So, so one of the things that you know, when I was a kid, when I was like eight years old, my grandmother took me to took me to Burger King, and she sat me in Burger King. She says, "Do you like Burger King?" I said, "Grandma, I love Burger King." She says, "Would you like to own your own Burger King?" I said, "I love own Burger King." And my grandmother handed me over 100 shares of Burger King stock. And I went around. I was at school. I went around and told her that I owned Burger King, and I was the king, and this and that. And ever since that, I've gotten on a track of being, you know, financially, you know, under, in control of my life. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in our society. You know, when Michael Jordan got his first uh, big contract with NBA, uh, they handed him over a check for a million dollars. And within one day, he had spent that million-dollar bonus. Now, since then, he's been lucky enough to recoup that money and, and many times over. But most, but most athletes, most professional athletes, whether it's esports or traditional sports, don't have that opportunity and end up squandering their money. You know, if, you like, you were, if you're in the NFL and you go to Super Bowl for three seasons – and then you, and then you don't go to for a fourth season. You don't get a, pe- a pension from the from the NFL. You have to do four complete seasons. Right. So you've got all these great great athletes who you know spent their monies on all these crazy things, and then they, they don't, and then something happens and they don't have any money left over. And you know with esports, you know it, it it's not a it's not a sport that you know no sports last forever. Right. But esports, you know, you get you're 25, you're kind of over the hill, you know, right. and so we mm-hmm. we want to teach. We have this on our on our, on one of our websites. Uh, if you go to esportscircus.com and you click on the how, what we do for schools, there's a link there, and you can click on that, and you can down at the bottom you can see our financial responsibility training system where we try to teach players how to be financially responsible with their winnings. When you win prizes, when you win all these things, what do you do with that money? Because we want you to put that back into education and put that back into something that will eventually, you know, make you help pay for pay for your life. You know, because the, the Harvard did a study uh, about six years ago, came out a study that said that uh, low-income families spend 165% of their income a year. Middle-income families spend 130%. And high-income families spend 98%, and the ultra-rich spend uh, uh, 22% of their income a year. So, you know, it's, you, it shows that people who, you know, and, it, and it's not necessarily anybody's fault. It's just that people don't understand 
that I, instead of going buying that big screen TV or those giant rims, put that into something that's going to make you money and help you. You know, I, I did a video right. not too long ago, and I and I and I, sh- and I had this. I had, I had 50 bars of silver on the table, and I said, I bought the in March of 2020. I bought these bars of silver. Actually, no, it was, it was, um, I did, it was not. It was, it was in the beginning of April, minute April, I bought these 20 bars of silver at $19 and some odd cents uh, an ounce. And I had spent $9,685. And less than 20 days later, those bars of silver were worth $14,875. So I had made close to $5,000 in less than a month, you know, just by buying some silver. And, you know, and now, granted, not everyone has $9,800 to invest in 50 bars of silver, but you can start out small, you know, and build and build. And that's something that's very, very important to what we want to, we want to get to do. Yeah, Jeff, I love that. Um, Something I want to talk about uh, with you. I actually, I found out about you uh, through Paul Richards and his broadcast uh, solutions. And you did a, you did a collaboration with him and did a show. And yeah. then I, find, I actually, yeah, he's a really cool guy. Um, and uh, I actually got to meet you uh, at DreamHack Anaheim okay. uh, while we were doing press coverage, right? Yeah. And um, and I wanted to ask you, what is the impact of volunteer work on this industry? Because I see a lot of the videos you do, you you talk about philanthro- philanthropic things and going out and doing good for your community. What do you yeah. think about that in esports? Well, you know, I, I well, there's two subjects. So first of all, volu- uh, you know, people who do we do we do a lot of interns with us, but we pay our we pay, we pay our interns and with that. But I, I've I've always been very involved in in, in philanthropic things and helping out. I've been a, I've been a disaster manager with the Red Cross for like tw- over 20 years. I my, my first event I think was 9/11. I uh, went out and helped there. That's, that's how I started my company. I was working for another company, and I told my boss, he said, I got to go help in 9-11. He said, no, I need you to be here. And I said, no, I got to go. He said, no, you got to be here. And I said, no, I got to go. And he said, no, you got to be here. And so I said, I quit. And I went to New York and helped out with the Red Cross for about a month and a half, and then came back and started my own company. But I've always been that. When I was at, going back another story with my, with my, with my great-grandmother, my Oma, uh, she took me to Washington, and she showed me the Eleanor, the Roosevelt Memorial, and one of Eleanor under Eleanor's bust is, was written a quote that has resonated throughout my life, and it says, "When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die." And you got to think about that. When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. And this is what has has kind of drove me all my life, you know. And I owe everything I do has got to be be make a contribution in some way or another to helping people out. You know, that's why, you know, I, I, I've been a big brother for 20 years. I've been, I built houses for Habit for Humanity. Um, you know, I, I ran marathons for Coleman Search for Cure because I want to help out. I want to support people who, who, who need support. You know, I worked for, uh, I helped my fellow vets uh, in an organization I, I work with called Veterans for Horses where we put, disabled veterans, people who have been hurt in war, and I put them on horses so that they can get that connection and, and, and feel a full of movement and feel the power of the horse. And it actually helps them a lot, you know? And no matter what people say, 
veterans, especially disabled ones, deserve all of our love and all of our support. I completely agree, Jeff. Um, I'm really impressed. You're so well-rounded with everything. And the fact that you touch on financial literacy really is awesome because, I mean, you know, you know, in America, we don't teach it in schools. We don't teach it in colleges or anything like that, which is really unfortunate. So that in itself is kind of philanthropic if, you know, I don't, you know, that's what I think. But um, yeah. And, you know, I've worked for a bank as a loan officer for about six years now. So I actually volunteer and try to teach uh, people about financial literacy as well. So um, if you don't mind, what kind of things do you teach them about? Do you touch base on like credit or investments or what kinds of things do you do? Well, you know, we teach them on the on the difference between good debt and bad debt. You know, that's one of the things we talk about is is you know that there is such that there is such things as good debt. You know, there's debt that makes you pay. You know, if you put money if you put money into something like if you buy some silver or gold or something like that, that's a you have debt, but that's good debt. If you buy a house, if you put money into buying a house, that's good debt. You know, uh, it. But and then there's bad debt. Bad debt is on the on the college campuses. You see the you see the Amex and the Visa card guys, and there's here. Sign up here, and we'll give you a free T-shirt. And that's the road. It's the road to perdition. You know, it's it's you know having a credit card is a is is a double-edged sword because it helps you build your credit when you're young. It helps you know spending money helps you build credit, but then if you don't have an ethical understanding of debt, then you tend to spend more than you make, and spending more than you make is bad debt. So we, that's one thing we go into is, you know, uh, uh, that comes from the uh, Rich Man, Poor Man book of stuff with Robert Kawasaki, who's a nice guy. Um, and, yes. you know, but it's, it's all about having, you know, another, uh, one thing I also do is understanding Another industry term in, in, in financial is understanding your latte factor. Well, your latte factor is, let's say you go out to Starbucks every day and you treat yourself to a Starbucks coffee and it's $5. Well, that's $20 a week, mm-hmm. you know, or $9,000 or $20,000 a year, you know. So you could take that $20,000 a year and instead of having a latte every day, and put that into something you can invest in and make money from, or even cut it back. So instead of five days, do two days and make those lattes extra special. And then take those three days of lattes and put that into something that's going to, that's going to make you some money. And there's a lot of really creative things, you know, young people can invest in things like insurance and stuff like that in terms of the weird word, but there is insurance that can actually make you money. And so we, we try to teach them about different kinds of ways of dealing with, with, with that money and how to, how to make money from that, how to have good debt, how to manage your finances in a way that, that, can, that can help you so you can enjoy things later. Absolutely. Right. I would have loved having you as a mentor back when I was in yeah, school. Oh, my right? God. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. I'm sure that a lot of these uh, esports players uh, that are taking this to the next level um, love having you around as well. Yeah. Um, aside from these LAN events, you know, and, and teaching and coaching these these winners of these LAN events that you host and create, rather, do you do anything on the actual esports competitive level? 
um, in terms of coaching or or uh, even signing pro contracts with these people? Well, so we haven't gotten to that level yet. I mean, what we're doing is we're what we want to do right now is host these events and promote players so they can go out and get the big contracts. We don't okay. want to be we don't want to be the next hundred thieves, you know. Right. I don't want to. I, 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 that's not what I. That's not in the cards right now. I mean, I don't. Who knows what the future is? But at the mm-hmm. moment, we want to be able to take these players from the dark dungeons that they're playing in right now, and bring them onto a level playing field. Because some, you know, some schools have big fancy computers. If you go to UC Irvine out here and out here, and you know, Mark Deppie is a great, great coach, and he has a great team, and they have this big center with like high-end computers in it, and it's a phenomenal place to be. I mean, I mm-hmm. love their center. But then you go to another team, you know, you go to places like CSUN. And CSUN is, has, is, has some great players in it that love to play and do great work. But they're playing on their own computers or the computer the school gives them. And they're not so great, you know. You look yeah. at, you know, Mark Deppie plays on uh, 200 refresh monitors. And you look at CSUN and they're playing on, you know, maybe 100 refresh monitors or 90. And that can mean the difference of a, a millisecond or so. And a millisecond may not seem to be a lot of time, but if you're, if you, you know, if you're a CS:GO player, <laughs> that's a whole lot of time. Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. You know, sure. even in anything, Dota, it's like if you can get around your player just in time, you know, that just makes a whole lot of difference. So the equipment is very, very important. Just like having, you know, the right size monitor. You know, if you have a flat monitor, you want a 25 inch. If you have a curved monitor, you want a 32 inch. And, you know, it's just like, because that's the, if you look straight at it, that's the perfect distance to have, not having to twist your head, you know. And so having the best quality equipment and all that stuff is good, but you want to bring them on a stage where it's all equal. So it's just the skill of the player. It's not, I have a better, I have a better, I have a, I have a better keyboard than you, or I have a better model than you. I win. We want it to be, who is the better player? And that, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's, we bring them on stage and then we truly see who's the best. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, Jeff, you know, what can, just in terms of like business, what would you say is the difference between a good deal and a bad deal? A good deal in, in, in business? Well, a good, a good deal, a good deal is not, you know, a good deal is not necessarily the deal that makes you the most money. You know, I, I have, I have walked away from deals. I, I tell people that it's good to walk away from a walk away from a deal because sometimes deals are not are not the best for you. And looking at it, looking at a project, looking at a at you know a deal and seeing what is the deal really mean, and having someone who can look at that deal and know what it means, you know, a little bit down the road, you know, because if you sign a contract and now you're locked in for X amount of years and now you can't do anything, you can't expand for that. That's a bad deal. Or you know, even if it looks like a big paycheck, it's not. You know, money's not everything. Right. That's what I would say. You know, because you can always make more money. I agree. But you know, you but you can't take back time. You can make more money, but you can't take back more time. So if something steals your time away, steals your development away, steals your growth from growing out and expanding and going to another level then that is a bad deal. Makes sense. Makes sense. I come from uh, the music industry. I did a lot of networking and whatnot yeah. before entering this esports realm. Awesome. And so I can really resonate with that, with that, you know, you hear all the horrible stories of people signing contracts and then the, uh, the, 
the studio company and whatnot just takes over. You know, they take over the, all their creativity and whatnot. So you're definitely on to something there. Um, that's made Barry Gordy rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's made a lot of people rich, but not the right ones, if you if you ask me. <laughs> um, so so do you see that happening in the esports realm currently? I know you're you you kind of delve a lot into coaching these people and whatnot. Do you do you see a lot of that going on? And are you trying to prevent that? We, we do. There's a lot. Of, there, there's a lot of a lot of people taking advantage of, of, of these kids because these 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 kids are kids, you know. And they you know and these guys come up with their you know right. with their with their silver Cadillac and they rode up and, and they and they come in the door and they say we're gonna make we're gonna make you rich. You're gonna be a rich man. Just sign this contract and they get their parents to sign who know nothing and their parents don't think about contracts and they just bamboozle them. I mean it's the same thing in any, any sports, you know. It, it, you know I mean the, the you know. You know, as much as people hate the NCAA, the NCAA does a lot to protect players in in that kind of aspect. Right. Yeah, and, and it happens. It happens in the music business. It happens in regular sports. It happens in every business. And you know, I, I, there was this big case in Korea where this this player committed suicide because he had uh, signed this five year contract and he had been working for uh, pennies, and then and then. When he left the team, the team sued him, and he had owed the team like fifty thousand dollars, and he couldn't confront it, and so he killed himself. And it was a, just a really bad. And it, this this kind of I mean, that's an extreme, but this is a situation that happens all the time. And and you know, and I think that you know, in the United States, I think we're a little bit more. Uh, I think some some of the education facilities and things like that are a little bit more looking out for people. And uh, these days, um, because we're starting to grow as an industry, but it does—it's it, definitely out there. Unscrupulous contracts. I mean, people really need to understand. And you, know, you talk to a, you need, if you're a, if you're a, a professional, if you want to be professional esports, you know, talk to an attorney. It doesn't cost that much. You know, you can get an attorney to review a contract for not that much money, and it's well worth it. You know. And do you help them out with that too, Jeff? We do. We have a we we have we have some attorneys that we that we know that are esports legal law firms uh, that we work with that kind of work that that have agreed to say, hey, I will support you guys uh, and do basic like some some a little bit of free consultation for free to try to get these players. Obviously, their goal is to get these guys to sign up for them, and when they become bigger and they and they, and they have some more money. But to help out and give a little bit of, of a hand, and we and, and we support that with some financial uh, support to the, to the lawyers, uh, and try to get make sure that they're all taken care of, and everyone is everyone is happy. So we're we're it's a really a program that we have that goes over everything from you know tech, the technology, which is what our core thing is, building technology out, to actually helping with branding and marketing and team development and also you know the other thing is you know where to get students from you know people don't realize that that there's a lot of places that people don't think about how where to where to attract students from not just from like high schools but you know every military branch of the of the u.s armed services has an esports team you know you when you were at dreamhack you saw the navy team there you know they uh we had the army team work for uh, uh, come to one other event that we were doing. Army team was at 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 at, at e- last E three that was live, and you know the Air Force and the Navy, even the Coast Guard has an esports team, and and then there's a you know there's a 
another organization that we that we've worked with a lot called Stack Up that works with uh, works helping helping veterans um, you know get uh, you know you know help them recover from some, from some bad situations they may have had to you know by by playing esports. But my point is is that all these branches have 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 people have esports teams, and the U.S. military has things called the GI Bill. And the GI Bill will pay for your education. So if you go, if you sign up for a four-year stint with the Army, and you serve for two years, and you say, you know what, I want to go to, I want to go to this college for 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 a year and a half or two years, you can go to that college for a year and a half to two years. The Army will put your 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 military service on hold. You go to college, you become educated, you go back to the military, fill out like your two year your two years. And everything is sweet, and you've got a free education. So the GI Bill is an incredible opportunity, and it's a great place to recruit students. And there's a lot of other places that we work with to help people find students that can that can come to the college. So, you know, the two things that colleges care about is a more students coming to their college because that means more tuition, and finding jobs for the students when they leave college, which also helps them because the government. Gives them money based on if they get students within a certain if, if a student finds a job within a certain time period of leaving the college, the college gets some financial credits with the government. So, and that's what we also help with. We also career development. So there's lots of new job opportunities. You know, there's uh, there's this, uh, I was just uh, linkedining with uh, this woman who's a esports physician. You know, and she. And 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 she does some great work. And there's there's psychologists, nutritionists, you know, all these different careers. And we also, in our events, help investigate a lot, help them experience a lot of these job opportunities with like event production, you know, uh, and 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 music 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 production on an event, video production, camera run, running cameras, running a store, run, running all kinds of things at esports events. So there's a lot, just like you go to a football game, and you, there's a lot, many people working at a football stadium. There's many people working at an esports event. It's like you saw at DreamHack in in February. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely right, and I I think it's awesome that you're not only putting on this huge presentation uh, for everyone to to enjoy, but you're you're also like hand in hand teaching these people how to how to run it themselves if they were to want to join this type of business. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, how how serious the world is starting to take esports and whatnot. Yeah. You know, and comparing that to to regular sports. Um, do you foresee any kind of issues like we found? You know, like baseball had the steroids issue. You know, football has has the the flight gate issue, stuff like that. Do you foresee any kind of like match fixing or anything? You know, you were talking. Well, there's already match fixing. You look at the the, the 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 you know the big thing that happened in you know Australia and then I mean there's been there's been you know uh, esports fixing for years, right? But, and it's not a new thing. And that's 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 a thing that's going to continue to watch out because these kids, like like you know teaching them about financial sponsors, also teaching them about how to you know not just run into every you know you know just because just because someone offers you six hundred dollars to throw a match doesn't mean you you could take it because right. that that could ban you for life and then that's a lot more than six hundred dollars mm-hmm. and you know so i think that there's a lot more i think where the the next level of uh of, of issues are going to come is is really from you know broadcasting rights streaming rights stuff like that you know it's like 
companies like Twitch and YouTube, YouTube esports and stuff, and, and, and uh, like that are going to be looking. To, you know, that's going to be the next. There's going to be a lot of problem issues because there's so much growth happening in this in this esports industry, and the, when you have a lot of growth, you have a lot of opportunity for abuse, and that's and that's the way it is. Now, and and that's just you know you know football baseball baseball in in you know, early 1900s baseball was exploding, and then we had you know the socks the socks scandal when the whole whole team you know threw the match, and you know that kind of thing. There, there's yeah. So in any kind of thing where there's, a, where there's a lot of expansion, a lot of money involved, all that, you're going to have a lot of a lot of issues. I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, like, like steroids because you don't need to be lift 300 pounds to play esports. Yeah, but in terms of like, you know, mental enhancers and whatnot, I guess that would be the... Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously there might be some of that. I, you know, I might, might seem of that. I, I, I definitely know that there are... Uh, that, that some of the esports things that we're looking at is some of the some drug issues because you know not and I'm not just talking about marijuana I'm talking about some of the harder stuff right you know so, so you people can stay up for you know 10 12 hours yeah. you know I think that's going to happen I don't, it already happens a lot in streaming because you have these streamers you know guy sits in a chair for streaming five to eight hours a day you know you can't do that on on popping caffeine tablets you know right. you know. So I think there's an underlying problem with that that's going to happen, but you know that, that hasn't really reared its ugly head yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I, there will be a lot of there will be a lot of a lot of problems there. I don't, you know, like I said, I don't think we're going to have steroids, but <laughs> yeah. wouldn't that be something? <laughs> uh, maybe in the robot fighting time period. We'll <laughs> fighting, um, yeah. Maybe we'll have too much WD forty or something, and we'll have to worry about that. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Wow, man. Wow. This has been such an interesting conversation. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I know we started a little bit late and we had the uh, the little bit of disconnection technical issues there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how much time you have, but I have all the time you want. I mean, I have I scheduled I, I, I have finished my appointments. I'm fine. OK, I, I have awesome. So you for some reason, I have no place oh, to go. <laughs> so I guess you're just all out of luck. You have to have a conversation with us. Um, let's see. I had something else I was going to ask you about, and I cannot recall. Brittany, I know you have something. You were. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just wondering if, because you, I'm, I know you mentioned you were an old school gamer. So do you yeah. play um, any of these games that the college uh, students are playing, like League of Legends, Overwatch? You know, you know, it gets hard, and there's there's actually a big divert, a big big controversy going out right now. You know, there was some some players are getting upset because everybody who's playing these games are like super 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 really super good, and the casual players can't play a game online, <laughs> or they get killed all the time. You know, <laughs> and then you have people like Ninja who came out and said, you know, hey, people who don't play to their maximum level, tough luck, you know, type of thing, and I think there's, you know, I think that's a problem. That's going to be one of the big problems in the future is that casual gamers are kind of getting, are kind of going to get a little bit pushed out. Because like, sure. you know, it's like I, I love to play games. You know, I, I remember when, when you know, when Doom came out, I was I was creating my own maps in Doom, and uh, you know, and it was and, and it was great. And I was really good at that. When you know, Bungie came out and. And uh, you know all these different games. I was I love playing these these, these first person shooters, 
Um, you know, and then I love the strategy games, but the problem is you get in there and you just get so, so indebted by some of the players that are just too good. Like I love clash of clans, you know, but I had yeah. to get my phone because <laughs> I got to a certain level and then I would just be killed by everyone who was like so much better than me. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's so That's hard. Right. That's what it's hard for me. I like to play with my friends. I have, I, at our office here, we have, um, I have these uh, gaming systems set up. They're actually visual effects, VFX workstations. They're high-end, super big workstations. And they have, you know, like two GPU cards. They have 192 gigs of RAM. They have super Xeon processors. And I have them hooked up to these 28-inch 20, 20, uh, 4K monitors. And so we get together and we do like lamp, little lamp parties. And we have lots of fun. I love playing those. And we get together with my friends. We do that. And that's great. But playing online, just I just not good enough. I just get to these kids and they just wipe they wipe the floor. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, that's something I can definitely relate to as well. Uh, I remember back in the back in the days, it was so much easier to compete at at a higher level. And yeah. you know, I'm I'm 26 now, and I'm already seeing the difference. You know, yeah. I, I I had to delete Fortnite. Kids were just getting. I mean, you'd be like you'd see someone in the corner of your eye and you turn around and they're suddenly they're like a 30 foot building. Yeah. You know, they just, they're so good and it's so crazy. And you know, half of these kids were born with tablets in their hands. Yeah. You know, the technology is just a, it's just a natural thing for them. Um, where do you see, where do you see this going? I mean, cause obviously this generation is just so, you know, they're get, they're advancing at such a rate that we have never seen before in terms of technology. Where do you see this going? I mean, you know, we've never had, like, we you know, we talk about sports. We have athletes, and then we have coaches, and that's really it. In esports, we have the athletes, the coaches, and then we have, like, streamers and entertainers and personalities. Where do you see this all going in the end? Well, I, you know, I think I, I think that what's going to happen is that they're, the whole, I, I think... There's going to be a, like a little shift involved in how how everyone watches this. There's going to be the programmers are going to go just crazy, and they're just going to get so phenomenally and it's going to be so competitive, and they're just going to dominate that whole thing. And I think that most casual gamers are going to end up doing what I'm doing, which is just like you know playing playing with your friends on a little small little network that you can have fun and compete with. And otherwise, than that you're just going to have to sit in a stadium or sit on your computer and watch someone just dominate this industry right uh, I, do, I i think that uh the streamers is going to be an interesting thing to watch because i've been in the broadcast industry for 30 years and i and i've seen a lot of a lot of a lot of new technology come out a lot to expand how they're doing it it's so inexpensive right now to build yourself a really quality studio video studio that you know, everybody can, anybody can do it with just a little bit of money. You know, you know, you can get a four channel black switcher from black magic for like 300 bucks, you know, and you can get, you can buy three cameras or you can get a, a little device called a sling studio. That's an incredible little box. It's a thousand dollars for the server and you can hook up iPhones to it. And, you know, you can do a three camera shoot easy peasy and do, do all kinds of stuff with that. It's an incredible Thing. And all these things are so inexpensive that I think a lot of more people are going to get into it. You know, you mentioned, you know, Paul Richards, a good friend of mine. And, you know, and, and he has his, you know, and some of the books that he's published, like Esports EDU and some of the other stuff that he's done are really talked about how, the, how that all is, is, is coming into play. 
because you can you can more people can can get into this industry and dominate in a, in, a, in this thing and make a lot of money. I mean, I know a 15 year old kid that screens for five hours a day, and he has 30,000 subscribers. And at three bucks a, a head, that's ninety thousand dollars a month mm. as a base. Mm. I mean, that's phenomenal. If I pay ninety thousand dollars a month in a chair, absolutely. You know, I mean, and then you get high end people. You get like people like you know Shroud and Ninja and Dr. Suspect and people like that, who are you know, you know, in the in the, in the big money. You know, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And you know, some of these big guys like Dr. Suspect and, and like that are going to have to compete against some 15-year-old kid that's going to be knocking at his door pretty soon, you know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, do you think that, um, you know, as far as the casual streamers go that are more for entertainment, do you think they're going to get weeded out by the um, e-pros and stuff like that, or do you think there's still a market for them from your experience? I think, you know, I think that, like I said, I think they're going to find themselves playing with their friends or, or, or just by themselves. That's what I think they're going to end up finding. And, and I, don't, I don't think, I think it's going to end up where they they can't I mean because players are getting so good you know so good I mean I mean granted I'm an old I'm an old guy but uh, you know uh, but it's just these players are getting so good that it's becoming almost impossible to play I mean, that you go online to Steam and you log in you play a game and it's like it's like I go and I want to play I want to play I want to play a game and I'm I get them there. I run out, I get shot, I have to sit there and wait for the round of <laughs> I feel that, unfortunately, um, as a casual gamer myself. But yeah, no, Jeff, I just have to say I'm just so um, thoroughly impressed with you. You're definitely a one-stop shop for sure. You wear a lot of hats. Um figuratively and yeah. literally. So I love it. Um, and, you know, it's evident that you just hold, you know, a plethora of information. And I mean, any, any student that is, you know, going into this kind of a thing would be absolutely lucky to work with you. So I, I'll recommend you to anybody. You're awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we try to be, I try to do what I can to, you know, make sure everyone is, is happy and plays fair and, you know, I mean, we just we just want to have fun. We want to we want to do three things. I want to make money, I want to have fun, and I want to give back. As long as I can do those three things, I'm happy. Man, man, talk about living the dream, Jeff. We appreciate you again for coming on to the podcast today. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we close out today? Well, of course, we have our we have our websites. You know, the esportscircus.com website. We have that site. Of course, you can go to that site. And then uh, our our old website, AdvantageVideoSystems.com, shows you what the broadcasting end. But for esports, it's esportscircus.com or AdvantageVideoSystems.com. We also will we'll be um, we'll be at a bunch of events this year, uh, uh, the esports bar and a couple other and uh, uh, esports travel show uh, that's going to be out there. Is going to be that. Uh, we're planning on hosting a couple of events with. We're gonna do a big tournament in December. I think we're talking about it uh, with some people, and it's gonna be a developer tournament. So most of the tournaments out today are like Fortnite or or uh, uh, CS:GO tournaments, or you know all the big games. But we want to help developers who are who are now scrapped because they haven't been able to showcase their games and stuff like that. We want to help new developers develop. So we're gonna do a tournament. Like with new developers, like a like a game that I like called uh, Ready Set Go. That's kind of a a police robber kind of a game, a, shoot, a first person shooter game. 
And uh, so we're going to promote games like that and other games. Uh, Dump Trump is another game that's good. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, it's not. It doesn't include Donald Trump. It's it, 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 it's got, I mean, uh, 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 I think it's Diamond Trump or something like that. And, but he, he he trades. You got to stop him from. You got to stop him from grabbing all the pussy cats. <laughs> oh my god, uh, but, that's hilarious. But there's all kinds of. I want to do fun kind of. I want to do tournaments with fun kind of games that people can do. And I want to, so we're going to do that kind of thing as a first, per, as that we got some game, we got some, and next year we're going to have, uh, we might be at the NAM show, which is our, we did in January with the North American music merchant show. We were there in January, we might be there this January. If they have it, if they don't, we'll be part of their virtual show. Um, and, uh, we were, and then, uh, we've got in March, uh, we've got a big tournament coming up. We've also got something, we're planning with the Agua Caliente Casino in Palm Springs. So we've got about 10, or, about 10 events for, planned for as soon as this world can open up. But in December, we're planning on our, on, our other, on, our, on our virtual event we're doing there. And then, you know, we're just creating alliances with a lot of people. Um, I will say this year we just got we, – we were, we were awarded the uh, prestigious STEM certification this year. Hmm. Uh, the STEM certification is the Science, Technology, Arts, and Mathematics um, Society, which certifies. Usually, they usually they only certify like like products. Like Disney comes and says, "Oh, yeah. I have this new toy, and I want it to be STEM certified, so they can sell it, you know, and get some, and get schools to buy it and stuff like that." And very rarely do they certify organizations, um, but they, we applied to them, and we and we went through all the rigor. We, we wrote this big dissertation and. We wow. put all the paperwork and we had interviews. We had a bunch of interviews with them, and then their their board had a vote, and they and they and they gave us the STEM certification. So that was big for us this year, you know. Yeah, I saw that on your website. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So that was again. That was uh, esportscircus.com, correct? That's esportscircus.com. Okay, and uh, this is actually Brittany's first uh, first podcast with us. So I want to yeah. give her an opportunity to plug herself if yeah. she would like. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. First of all, um, you can find me on epal.gg if you guys are familiar with that. Um, Brit Brat BB, or you can find me on Instagram at princess underscore thoughty um, with a zero. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah, yeah. great job, Brittany. I would never thought this was. Trent, is there anything you'd like to plug on behalf of EBN before we uh, close out here? Yeah, as always, uh, help out by joining the Discord server. Uh, we're growing in numbers. Uh, our LinkedIn, we're trying to bring you guys the aggregate, the most news and esports as we possibly can every day, daily. We have the brand new daily uh, newscast going out on Alexa and home speakers, uh, as well as YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, that's hosted by Trevor For- Forrest. And um, what else do we have? Oh, the sign up on the website. Uh, go ahead. Get the bronze package for free with code LAUNCH or just go to bronze.ebn.gg. All right. right. Well, again, Jeff, thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Cameron Shelby, a.k.a. Aristotle. I'm here with Trent Knox, Brittany, and Jeffrey. See ya. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys later.